Hey everyone, this is Des. Thank you so much for tuning into The Wellness Project. I'm really excited for today's guest. I am interviewing Melissa McDonald, also known as Dr. Mac, and she is a rehab-based chiropractor. I'm really excited to speak with her because I just started seeing a chiropractor about a month or so ago, and it's been going pretty well, but there's a lot of different types of chiropractors and a lot of different methods and techniques and stuff. So I'm really interested in speaking with her and getting her take on the field. So I think you're definitely going to want to listen to this episode because she busts some health myths as well as gives us tips on how to prevent pain, whether you're a highly active person or mostly sedentary. So I think this is going to be a really great episode. I'm so excited to talk with Dr. Mack. So let's get started. Everyone, I'm so excited. I am here with Melissa McDonald, also known as Dr. Mack to her patients. So thank you so much, Dr. Mack, for joining me today. Oh, I'm excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. I'm really excited to talk to you. You're a sports chiropractor located in the Twin Cities of Minnesota. Can you tell me and my audience the different sports chiropractor stuff you do and who you work with? Absolutely. So I work with everyone, but I typically focus on an active adult. And my three primary individuals that I care for right now, one is Minnesota Roller Derby, which is a four-team home skater group that I work with. I also work with River City Rhythms, which is a drum corps international marching band that is hopefully having a season this year with all the COVID going on. And my last team is Minnesota Pride, which is a professional woman, eight person football team. Awesome. Oh, that's really cool. Really cool. And so can you tell me and my audience right off the bat, what exactly is a chiropractor? Oh, absolutely. So how I like to look at a chiropractor is we are neuromusculoskeletal specialist, which is a really big word, which means we focus on your muscles, your bones, and how they interact with your nervous system. Because there's a lot of nerves that control everything. And when nerves get mad, they cause pain. And when you get injured, nerves cause pain. So there's a lot of places that we can manage. And by conservative care, I mean non-surgical and non-medication based. So for my practice specifically, I use my hands to adjust so I will apply a force into a joint. It'll cause a popping sound, cause a cavitation. I'll do some soft tissue work such as Graston or ART. And then I will do rehab with my patients. I want to make sure that they have skills at home, skills and drills at home to help them manage what's going on in their life and get back to what they want to do. Because I never want someone to not be able to go in their backyard and play catch with their kids or step foot on a football field. Yeah. Oh, definitely. What's the difference between a chiropractor and a physical therapist then? That is the golden question. <laughs> so here's one thing I will say is there are many different flavors of chiropractic. And I wish I could say that every time you go into a chiropractic office, you would get the same experience. That is not the case. I'm a heavily rehab-based chiropractor, which means when you walk in my office, and you squint really hard, you sometimes can see the essence of physical therapy, but I do put a higher emphasis on adjusting and I really don't see someone that's post-surgical. So let's say you get your knee replaced. I want you to go see your physical therapist. Once your physical therapist is done with you and your insurance isn't going to cover any more care, that's when you can step into my office and maybe I can get you from, oh, you can just go to work to back to the activities you love. Now, 
when it comes to truly what makes the difference in physical therapy, one in chiropractic, one big difference is in every state, you can just walk into a chiropractic office and get care. A lot of times with physical therapy, you may need a referral from your primary care to see them. That is changing, but that's probably the biggest clear difference between the two of us. Okay. That's good to know. And so what would the differences be then in training or certifications, that kind of thing? So one goes to physical therapy school, one goes to chiropractic school, uh, chiropractic school. There are 14 of them in the country. So there's not that many, and there are a variety of courses that we take the first year, honestly, is very similar for physical therapists, for medical doctors, for dentists, it's anatomy, it's physiology, it's biochemistry, it's histology. It's all your basic sciences to understand how this human standing in front of you functions. So that then as we get into diagnostic courses and treatment courses, we understand how the whole system is interconnected. Our program is three years long. I believe a physical therapy program is two years long. It is now a doctor of physical therapy for the most part. So you have to have completed your bachelor's and master's potentially before you go to physical therapy school. Chiropractic, you need at least a bachelor's and then you get the terminal degree of a doctor of chiropractic. Now, as a chiropractor, we don't have to do post-graduation specialty training, but I opted to do two years in sports education so that I had all my sports certificates. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's great. Awesome. So say somebody just, you know, your average Joe has pain, say their insurance doesn't need a referral or whatever. How would they know to go to a chiropractor or a physical therapist? Great question. Really what I say is it depends upon what you have access to. So okay. if you can easily get to a physical therapist, go to a physical therapist. If you have easy access to a rehab-based chiropractor, go to a rehab-based chiropractor. Rehab-based chiropractors are not as common. And there are, I'm going to say it, there are some unethical practices within chiropractic that have tainted the viewpoints. So there's a lot of times when someone's like, oh, I'd never go to a chiropractor. Frankly, I know the type they went to. I don't blame them for having those feelings. Oh. So it's really important to find a chiropractor that's practicing evidence-based care and using rehab exercises to their benefit to get their people better faster. Okay. Gotcha. And so how would somebody know if they're going to an unethical chiropractor or like, what are the signs you would look for, for somebody that's unethical and somebody that's ethical? Uh, these are my opinions. Let me just caveat yeah, that. No, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so, but the big things for me is that on average, no matter how severe the problem is, it shouldn't take more than eight to 12 visits to resolve okay. your issue. So if you're being sold a 30 visit plan and they've taken an x-ray and told you all these horrible things about how you're going to fall to pieces, <laughs> um, I have some questions. So a lot of times if they're using fear-based, they're scaring you. And that's not to say there aren't bad things that can happen, but if they're not then also referring you to a neurosurgeon and referring you for an MRI, I would question how bad those problems actually are. Because if they're using this type of mechanism where like, oh, you have to buy these 60 visits or you're, you're going to end up in a wheelchair, I'd be like, mm, bye, I need to go ask someone else's opinion. Because here's the thing, when you don't have to have x-rays to see a chiropractor, but x-rays are a great way 
to tell you something's wrong and a general population person's not going to be able to read the x-rays. They're not going to be able to look at it and go, there's not actually anything wrong. And they'll use terms like degenerative disc disease, which is a scary word. But medically speaking, degenerative disc disease is wrinkles of the spine. It's a natural process of aging, but it's a really easy way to scare people into large, massive treatment plans. So I, anytime that you're having to pay up front for a buku ton of care, I would take pause, like for my practice, if a patient wants to buy their care ahead of time, the max I will sell them is four to six visits. Oh, okay. I don't want them to waste their money. And I want them to understand, I don't want to see them every week. I don't want to see them for the rest of their lives. I want them to come in, get better, go do something stupid, and then have to come back to me. That's where I am. I want to be there to help guide them to live their fullest life, but ultimately I want them in control of their body. Okay. Yeah. That's great. That's really great to know. That's a really good tip for people that are interested in going to a chiropractor, but have no idea what to look for. So how can people get in more control over their bodies? So the first thing is just to recognize their body is so powerful and can do so much. And that a lot of times when we're starting to experience pain, it's because we've stopped moving. So unless we've had a significant trauma like car accident or fallen off a ladder or being hit by something, the pain we're experiencing probably has more to do with our body being like, hey, mm-hmm. you stopped moving and now I'm pissy, which is why like when we turn 30 and all of a sudden we can wake up and think we died from falling asleep wrong <laughs> on the couch, like Think about what's happened in our life. All through our kiddo years, our teenage years, we're active, we're playing sports, college. We're typically more active than we are an adult. Then we become real adults. We get real jobs. We decide to have families. And then all of a sudden our priorities switch from us taking care of our health to taking care of our family's health, taking care and making sure our kiddos can get to everywhere they need to be. And our jobs are sedentary. We're just sitting there doing nothing. So we need to get up and move. That's going to be the biggest thing. Now, I'm not saying you need to go out and run a marathon. I am not a runner. I will never tell someone they have to go run. That is not my jam. If you, you got to find something you love though. So if you love to run, go run. If you love to dance, dance, yoga, Tai Chi, racquetball, lifting weights, playing catch and running around with your kids, whatever gets you out and moving is going to make your body happier. If your body still feels crummy, that's when you tie in a physical therapist and a chiropractor to nuance down exactly what is holding you back and push you into that next direction of activity. Okay. Okay. So what are the negative physical effects you're seeing from our sedentary lifestyle of always looking down at our phones, being on our computers all day? So we have to think about one When we're looking at how technology and everything has evolved around us, we as a people have not evolved to do that. The industrial revolution was fundamental for us advancing and getting into this technological, amazing universe, amazing world we live in. But in that change, we went from 20% of our workforce being white collar to close to 80% of our workforce being white collar and not moving. That just sitting there makes things really bad. I mean, the minute we started to open up 
here in Minnesota where we could start seeing patients for just general aches and pain and not just acute care last June and July, my schedule filled up because wow. so many people were struggling from working at home, not having everything they typically have at the office. And think about it, when you're at an office, if you can imagine pre-pandemic to being back at your office, you were getting up, you were chatting with coworkers, you were going for walks, you were taking breaks. Now we're at home. The most you might do is walk the 10 feet to get more food. And then you settle back in on your couch, mm -hmm. which is not ideal. And just that lack of movement, that lack of activity. So if people would just get up and go for walks around the day, like they used to do, imagining they were in the office, they're going to feel better. Yeah. I've heard that term that sitting is the new smoking. Have you heard that quote? I have. <laughs> and I think it's, it's a complicated thing. Like there's so many things I can be like, well, yeah, but, uh, but it, it is definitely something that we need to take into consideration when looking at what's going on with our life. And are we starting to gain a lot of weight? Are we starting to have blood pressure and blood sugar issues? And then take a hard look at what we're doing. But the other thing we really need to look at is what we're actually putting in our face when it mm -hmm. comes to food, mm -hmm. when it comes to liquid. A lot of times we mindlessly will grab whatever's there and just drink that and not realize, okay, we actually have to drink water. Our body needs actual water, not caffeinated fizzy water. Mm -hmm. It is an important thing. So I love to quote my father in this instance, and it's as simple as you can't outrun your fork. So you have to take into account what you're putting in. Now, does that mean you need to be on a diet? No. Diet, the diet industry is a multi-billion dollar industry designed to help you fail and not lose weight. Yes. What you need to do is make lifestyle changes that are sustainable and attainable to what's going on. And those are small micro changes that you make over time that make you better in combination with movement and exercise. That's what's going to do you better. Oh, a hundred percent. Do you have any tips on where someone could start with that? Something super easy for people who are sedentary, just, you know, eat kind of junk, fast food kind of thing. Yes. So I fully admit towards the end of the chaos of last year, my husband and I fell hard off the wagon. We were eating out a bunch <sighs> and it took getting a meal kit system for us to have just food shipped to us for us to get excited mm. in the kitchen. We needed to get away from the mundane cooking we'd been doing. He had gotten sick of my cooking. He didn't want to eat it anymore. I don't blame him. <laughs> so adding a meal kit that just gave us a couple exciting meals got us excited to be in the kitchen and start exploring with what we can cook there. So that was an easy way to just make a little shift to get more whole foods in our lives. And that same goes for when you go to the grocery store buy things that can't live on a shelf for a thousand years. Mm -hmm. You want things that have a specific date and will rot. And that's going to be generally a little bit healthier. The other thing is, is drink more water. Exactly how much water your body needs is a little bit complicated to tell each person. I mean, general, everybody's like, just drink a gallon of water, drink a gallon of water. Well, Yes, I guess, but that's sometimes not really reasonable. You need to, and pardon, this is the easiest way to go. Look at your pee. 
Mm. Look at what's coming out of you. Mm. If it is clear, pale, yellow, you have reached ideal hydration. (laughs) Anything other than that, drink more water. The last thing that I recommend, focus on your sleep. We heal, we nourish ourselves. We have more energy when we get sleep. So whole foods, drink more water and get good quality, not just time in bed, sleep. Yeah. Oh, I fully agree. Yeah. Those are great tips for people to start with for sure. And so you said that you focus on the rehabilitation like aspect of being a chiropractor. What are other types of chiropractors? So just as there are flavors, there are so many different types. So I'm predominantly sports chiropractic rehab based. There are pediatric based that focused on kiddos and pregnancy. There are geriatric who see the older populations with osteoporosis. There are internal medicine specialists. There are those that have done extensive additional training in nutrition. There is radio. There are chiropractic radiologists. Okay. Which I honestly thought about becoming. And then I realized I hated sitting in a dark room reading gray (laughs) images. But pretty much any type of chiropractor you could think of, the most common is going to be your family practice provider. That's kind of the run of the mill, what you're going to see day in and day out from your chiropractors on the corner. Okay, great. And what made you go into being a chiropractor? Oh, that's, that's a doozy of a question. I always knew I wanted to help people. I just didn't know how I wanted to. And initially growing up, I wanted to be a surgeon. Oh, Wow. I grew up watching Grey's Anatomy. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> it was tot- it was Grey's fault. The issue is, is that I decided to then shadow and make sure that I really wanted to do that. And when I actually got into a surgeon's practice and shadowed them for an entire summer with their in-office and in-operate, like I got to go in the OR all wow. summer long and see how they worked with patients. I realized one, Grey's Anatomy, huge dramatization. (laughs) No, that is not how it works. And two, frankly, US health insurance really sucks. Yes. And Mm -hmm. I hated that they had a very finite, because they were in a hospital system, as most surgeons have to be, they have a very strict finite amount of time that they can spend with a patient in consultation to make that value for the hospital. So they can't, okay, deliver bad news to the patient. Like, Hey, I'm really sorry, but your uh, CT scan here shows that you have pancreatic cancer and we're giving you a prognosis of four weeks. They're there. Have a good day. Bye. I got a next patient. You're not on an operable patient. I was like, I, I can't, I can't wow. do this. I hated And I'm not saying every surgeon was like that. And I'm not saying that's how it is, but it's kind of a common complaint that you hear Mm -hmm. from providers. So I wanted, I started searching. So I went with physical therapists. I went with family practice, optometrists, chiropractors, trying to find that fit that let me work with people how I wanted to work with them and gave me some freedom. So what I loved about chiropractic is one, I can be my own boss. I don't have to be associated with a huge medical system. Two, I also don't necessarily have to take insurance. And that is something I've opted for is to not take insurance because I can reduce my costs and a lot of times make my care cheaper than people's co-pays. Right. And then when I have someone that's like, hey, I'm 
training to be a physique athlete. I have a competition coming up. I want to come in once a month for care. Cool. That's what you want to do. Insurance isn't going to cover that anyways. Mm -hmm. Insurance doesn't cover wellness care. They only cover acute care and they only cover certain aspects. And I never wanted my hands tied from taking care of people to the best of my abilities to get them to where they want to be. So I made that decision. Now I do provide all my people with super bills. Super bills is basically just the communication that you can mail to the insurance and see what they'll reimburse you. Okay. So that's how I've tried to help. And I can take FSA and HSA, those type of things. But I wanted to make sure I was accessible to everyone in a way that they could get care better. Now there are hundreds of chiropractors that take insurance. I'm not trying to compete with them. I'm looking for the people that have a specific focus in mind and insurance isn't necessarily going to cover what they need. And a lot of times that's my active people. It's my people that I have one person firefighting, hockey playing CrossFit person who knows what they're going to come in with in a given week with a problem yeah. because they're just being so active. If I had to use their insurance, every time they came in, I would have to do a new exam for a new problem. Mm. Oh, and eventually wow. their insurance isn't going to cover it. But with not being on insurance, I can just be like, okay, what's the problem? Do a quick focus on that area and then not have that fight. And then there's no surprise bills. How often do you go see a doctor? You think everything's covered. Then yes. three months later, you get the hi, $300, please. Yeah. That never happens with my people. Yeah. That's great. And that's really patient centered. I feel like you let them pick their plan and everything, their treatment, because like you said, I mean, insurances really dictate what you can do and what you can't. And it's, it's so wrong and it makes no sense. And I know also with mental health therapists that are in private practice, there's this big movement of them also not using insurance and just taking, you know, private cash pay. Yeah. And I do want to caveat my patients don't get to pick what they want. They don't. I do write out a treatment plan, give them a report of findings right. and tell them, okay, this is going to take this many visits doing this. As long as you do this at home, right. understand you're engaged to this. Now, once we're out of that phase and they're in this, I feel better. I just kind of want to come in every once in a while, then they can dictate their care. That's fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it should be you because it should, it shouldn't be an insurance company that isn't seeing them. So it, it needs to be the doctor, which, you know, I'm, I'm fully all about it. Insurance just doesn't make sense to me really in that way. Oh, <laughs> I will step off my soapbox before we go down too far into the realm of my distaste. <laughs> so what are the um, different techniques that you use in your practice with your patients? Absolutely. So there are hundreds, if not thousands of different chiropractic techniques. Oh, wow. Most, yeah, so oh, gosh. <laughs> there are so many. For, for what I do, I use diversified, which is basically I've picked a bunch of different pieces of different adjusting techniques, and I use them depending upon what the person needs. So I have this toolbox that I've constructed of care options that I could apply to a person depending upon one, are they fearful of chiropractic? Mm. Like, are they fearful of being adjusted? Okay, I have a technique for that. Or is this person 6'4", 350 pounds? 
what am I going to do with that person versus like a five to 90 pound ballet? So I like diversified. So I use Thompson drop tables, activator, bunch of buzzwords within the chiropractic realm and manual adjusting. Then I'll add pieces of Graston technique. So that's where I take a metal instrument and I will scrape the skin and affect the fascia. Oh, and the fascia is what covers the muscles and allows them to glide against each other. It's what allows us to move. It's the saran wrap around the muscles with a little butter between it that just helps everything glide beautifully in the simplest way of explaining what fascia is. That's a good explanation. (laughs) Everything kind of fits into the toolbox of factor, which is functional and kinetic treatment with rehab. It's a technique that I'm certified in. It's where if I have a patient come in and just sitting there, they're in pain, I start at this tier. If I have to get them moving to cause the pain, then we start with movement. It basically gives me a structured format on how I'm going to get them back and get them better and get them on their way faster. Gotcha. Okay. And what are the different things that you have your patients do at home? There is no one thing. It really depends. If I have someone that's coming in and we're doing ankle rehab, it depends upon where they're at. So let's say you sprained your ankle. If you sprained your ankle the day before, we may just have you doing really gentle motions. We may just have you walking with crutches to keep the range of motion versus let's say you rolled your ankle six months ago, it's still bothering you. You may be doing squats, lunges, Mm -hmm. jumps, balance work with my favorite piece of rehab equipment. It's called a slosh bar. It's very highly technical. It's a PVC (laughs) pipe full of water. So it sloshes back and forth and destabilizes (laughs) you. I couldn't tell you exactly what I would do with each person because everyone who comes in has a different problem and is going to be at a different point in their care and require different things. Right. That makes sense. I know you said on your website that you believe movement or exercise actually helps to conquer pain. Are there any times when you feel like somebody comes into you and you wouldn't recommend movement for any reason? Absolutely. If they have fractured themselves, so if they physically have broken a bone and are casted, we're going to be doing something a little different. But here's the thing, even with fracture, Tissues respond to stress. So bone, muscle, tendons, ligaments, they respond to stress being put on them to heal. So we just have to stress them in the right way. So am I going to have someone that's broken their ankle doing squats? Probably not. But may I have them standing on the good leg and doing maybe single leg squats? Absolutely. Because there are neurologic pathways that if we train the leg that's uninjured, it can help maintain the leg that is injured and help it heal better, which is like a whole crazy mind thought, but it it is really patient dependent. If I have someone that they're in so much pain that they can barely walk in the door, this is going to sound crazy. I'm still going to give them movement because does that person have to get up from their bed and go to the bathroom? Does that person have to get up and get food? Yes. I need to help them understand that, you know what, it does hurt, but you can't be scared of movement Mm -hmm. because this gets, this gets into kind of what causes pain. What is pain and our understanding of pain. And in the 1970s, there was a model created called the biopsychosocial. 
bile being a biological cause. So a pain, an inj- a, a legitimate injury cause of pain. Then we have the psychological cause, meaning think about when you have stress going on in your life. Do you get more headaches? Do you get indigestion? Do you have physical symptoms? And then social, going into a conference room, going into work, do you have a physical reaction? Or in a different line of sight, if someone has been taken care of and given love and affection when they're sick and injured, is their body manifesting symptoms because they get kind of the Pavlov dog sense of, do they get encouragement? So we have to look at each individual piece. And do I treat every piece? No, I predominantly stay in the bio side of things. If I'm getting into the psychosocial, I'm bringing in therapists, I'm bringing in counselors, and I'm co-managing this individual because I am not the be all end all. I am a piece in the wellness puzzle that gets people better. The thing is, is that A lot of times, especially with pain that doesn't have an acute cause, like, okay, you didn't fall off a 10 foot ladder. Why are you having pain? We have to kind of suss it down. A great example is my husband. He has clinical depression. When his clinical depression flares, his migraines, his back pain Mm -hmm. become excruciating. And it doesn't matter how much I physically work on him. I can't get them better until we get his depression addressed. Right. That's where even when someone's in excruciating pain, I'm going to push them to move within their tolerance because if I can show them that they have the ability to move in a safe space, that gives them power back over their body that they didn't know they had. That's so true. I I love all those points that you brought up. Really, really good. That makes a lot of sense to me. And do you have specific therapists or counselors that you work with? I actually have counselors and therapists within the office complex that I'm located. So I can just easily send them in there. Otherwise, I typically use psychology today because sometimes I have to look up a therapist because you can nuance that down to like, okay, I want a lesbian, Jewish, this age that specializes (laughs) in this technique. I want that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very okay. Specific. Yeah. Let's, uh, and I want them to take this insurance. Okay. <laughs> you want the unicorn and Oh, look, there's a unicorn in St. Paul. You can go there. <laughs> so I want to make sure that I help find my patients who is best going to benefit them. So I honestly have a very large LGBTQ plus patient clientele. I work with a lot of transgender athletes and non-binary athletes because I understand them and I understand what they need. Once you kind of break into that, you get all of them. And they're so much fun. (laughs) So making sure that I have counselors that understand some of the components that are unique to that population of wonderful people is really important for me to have referral sources. It's also, I'm starting to compile a gender confirming doctor list. So like, oh, I have a patient that needs to have chest surgery. Here's this plastic surgeon I refer to. Oh, I need someone for this. Here's who I refer to here. So I'm starting to build a list of referral points so that I can make sure my people get what they need. That's awesome. That's really important. And I'm sure that that's really just makes your patients trust you a lot more. And like you said, you get all of them. That's probably because of word of mouth, I'm sure. That community is very outspoken and I love them. (laughs) 
Yeah. So I'm sure they're, they're sharing your name once you establish trust with them. So that's really great. And I like that you said that, that you're just a piece of the whole wellness puzzle. I think that's really important for people to understand. Cause like you said, I think some people might be like, oh, I have this pain. I'm going to go to a chiropractor or physical therapist or my primary and, and poof, that's it. But it's, it's so much more than that. Like you said, it's the sleeping, it's the eating, it's the exercise, it's our mood, it's our emotions, our stress, they, you know, things like that. So it all, it all ties together. And I think people don't realize that, like you said, your husband has clinical depression. I think people don't realize I have depression. I have anxiety. Why am I getting all these headaches and stomach aches? They don't connect the dots in that way. It's just not talked about. And like, if I, I'm in the process of building my ideal space and it'll slowly grow. My clinic's been open. So I've been in practice for close to six years, but my personal clinic's only been open for two years. I survived a pandemic and I'm just really happy and grateful. <laughs> That's awesome. That. That's great. But now I'm really looking at growing and bringing in people that I want to work with, that I want to work with my people. I want a medical doctor on site that can take care of my people. I want an acupuncturist. I want a massage therapist. I want a nutritionist. I want a physical therapist. I have a strength and conditioning coach. I want people to have access and to have people that talk to each other. Because how frustrating is it when you go to your doctor, your doctor refers you to someone and you sit down and that doctor goes, so why are you here to see me? And you're like, I was sent to you by, how do you, did you not read my chart? Like, what is this? Like, I want to have actually integrated care where providers are talking and getting you better because they actually are communicating to figure out the best path of care for you. That's what I want. That's all. No, no big deal. That's all I want in my life. And that, that should just be the standard. I mean, like that is super frustrating. I was recently referred to somewhere and had that same conversation. Why are you here? And I'm like, I don't know. My doctor sent me to you. You tell me, I don't know. <laughs> so yeah, absolutely. That's super frustrating. And I know a lot more primary care offices are actually placing mental health therapists, but they're so busy. There's like one per office and they're so busy and overwhelmed. And like you said, I think it needs to be like a whole wellness center. You need that nutritionist, that acupuncturist, that chiropractor, that primary care doc, you need everybody in one building. And then you could have those weekly, you know, meetings or whatever. You're able to go next door, talk about your patient. And because it is, it's our entire body. And like you said, it's one piece of a very large puzzle. And if you're always getting spread to all these different people, it doesn't connect and come back to each other. And then an issue can go undiagnosed for a long time because nobody's connecting, nobody's communicating. Oh, it's very frustrating because there's so many times you have a condition. For example, Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome. Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome is a, I'm going to say fairly common underdiagnosed condition of hypermobility mm. where your collagen in your tissues gets all loosey-goosey. You're double jointed. You can put your hands flat on the floor without stretching. You just move. But this can also cause chronic joint pain. This can also have associated digestive issues. This can have cardiovascular issues. This can also have allergy issues all associated wow. with it. And do you actually have a doctor that's stringing them all together to recognize, oh, all these things are under one umbrella and this one umbrella needs this like, ee. right. 
Yeah, absolutely. I think like you said, the, the center you want to open your practice that I think that should be just the standard. And I hope it's the future. I hope that people are, I think more things are coming out about that. Like I've been learning a lot about the ACEs scores and how that plays into physical health and cancer diagnoses, high blood pressure, things like that. And I think people are making the connections now and I guess placing mental health therapists in primary care offices. Now it's becoming more common. I, I'm just hoping that because we're connecting these dots that we have a better medical industry in the future. I hope that's coming. Until we're not for profit, mm -hmm. I think our hands are going to be tied yeah. to really making the complete jump because I'm going to say something controversial. <laughs> Sick people make healthcare lots of money. Yes. Healthy people do not. Right. So our health quote, in quote, healthcare system mm -hmm. does not benefit to actually getting you better and healthy right? and preventing you from getting sick. And that's the key, preventing you. Once you're sick, they got you. They will take care of you and keep you alive forever, Yeah, but they won't prevent you from getting to that point of sickness. Yeah. There's no prevention care. There's really no such thing as prevention care. Like you said, it, it doesn't benefit the medical industry at all. But I think people are opening their eyes to that. I really hope that because of that, maybe there will be a change. But yeah, I fully agree. I think people are having to change because no one can afford health care. No. No one can afford to be sick. Even if you even if you have like a high deductible plan, you can't afford to be sick. So you're doing everything you can holistically, preventatively, chiropractically to mm -hmm. stay healthy and stay away from being sick, which is good. But why we're having to do that is so bad. No, exactly. And like you said before, the issues with insurance, I know people that even with insurance, they avoid going to the doctor because like you said, you get a surprise bill months later or your copay is really high. And so I think people, when they're sick, they don't go to the doctor because they don't want to pay their copay, even if they have insurance. And I believe this is right. I heard this, that one of the number one reasons people become bankrupt is because of a medical issue. Especially a medical issue that puts you in the hospital. Absolutely. There have been a number of studies and statistics done where like for a hip replacement, you could fly to Spain, mm -hmm. live in Spain for three months, get your hip replaced, do all the rehab, and then fly back. And it still would cost less than what you're going to pay in the United States. Right. I've heard that before. I have friends from Mexico. And recently, one of my friends, her husband had um, a toothache. They drove to Mexico and went to the dentist and drove back because it was going to be cheaper. <laughs> so that's really, and people end up bankrupt even when they have medical insurance. That's an issue. Yeah, I'd say. <laughs> that's a big issue. So I wanted to make sure that when I open my clinic and I start pushing my dream, it's a dream that is accessible and not something that people can't utilize and access. It drives my husband insane. He's like, do you realize how much money you could be making? And I'm like, yes, but people wouldn't be actually getting better. And he's like, yes, but when you get people better and you get them better as fast as you do, they don't come in and spend money. <laughs> and I'm like, but then they send me more people. <laughs> yeah, that is true. That is so, true. And because you work in sports too, and with highly active people, you're, you're always going to have patients. My patients do themselves good. <laughs> 
do themselves dirty or whatever. Yeah, they are um, frequent flyers, and it's usually because they've done something super cool or awesome. That's the thing. I want to make sure that I'm keeping my people active and being and doing what they need to do so that they can have awesome, cool stories. Like, oh, you at the age of your early 60s went and climbed Kilimanjaro. Awesome. Oh, you tripped and fell. Okay, let's fix that problem. But you still climbed Kilimanjaro. That's awesome. I want to have those stories coming into my office, Mm -hmm. not. Uh, you're my last resort because I can't afford to go anywhere else. And I've been in agony for six months. I will help those people. I always will help those people, but I don't want people coming in and saying those you're my last hope because I couldn't access Mm -hmm. anything else. Right. I know you work with mostly highly active people. Would you say there's a difference in preventing pain with highly active people versus the sedentary people? I'm going to say yes. Maybe I'm a little biased, but I will say that there's a research to be considered. One is a lot of people are like, oh, I can't run because it'll cause arthritis in my knees. Mm. I hate to break it to you. Research has been done and runners have less arthritis in their knees. Really? Mm-hmm. Here's why. One, cartilage loves to be lubricated. How does cartilage get lubricated? The knee bending back and forth. When the knee bends back and forth frequently, such as when running, the cartilage gets delightfully coated in delicious synovial fluid. If we're sitting still or standing still, the cartilage is getting stagnated and not getting flushed with liquid. So then it dries out, then it cracks, then it degrades and it breaks down. My father is in his 60s and still runs six miles a day. Wow. My mother, bless her heart, just turned 60 and has both her knees replaced. Mm. She is working on getting more active and she is doing such a phenomenal job now. But she's like, what could I have prevented if I had started doing better and being more consistent when I was younger. Mm -hmm. Could I have avoided this surgery? And the thing is, you might be hearing this and going, well, I already had the surgery. So what? Go move, get a bike, go for a walk, play some tennis. Here's the thing. A lot of people go out and they go way too hard, way too fast. How often do we like, oh, I've taken six months off from the gym and now I'm going to go back to the gym and do the same workout I did six months ago. The next morning you wake up and you feel like death. Mm Mm-hmm. No, we have to be kind. We have to scale. So if you haven't gone out and done anything for months, go for a simple walk around the block. Don't try to go run 10 miles. Mm -hmm. Start small, start slow, and slowly build up. Because when you burn yourself out, when you break yourself down, it discourages you and you give up. You have to start slow. And that's what's going to help you get better faster. Okay. That's really good to know. Yeah. I think a lot of people do do that. They just go right back in. (laughs) So that is good to know. So I know a lot of people have started using collagen. I've just been hearing it a lot more. Is that something you recommend or that you would stay away from? I'm going to be honest. I haven't done a lot of research in it. I don't know. 
Okay. No, I'm going to be honest. When I work with uh, someone who wants to do a deep dive into supplementation, I refer to a nutritionist because Mm -hmm. my brain is just not that big. But a (laughs) lot of times when I'm looking at someone, it really depends upon what they're trying to get into. Our diet should be able to supply the majority of our minerals and vitamins and nutrients that we need to survive. There are going to be times you have deficiencies. That's where you need to go get blood work done and see where you're at to actually decide what you need to supplement. Granted, if you live in the Midwest and you don't go outside, you probably, I'm going to take a guess. You probably need some vitamin D. Right. That's like the one that I'm in Minnesota. I'm like, just, just take some vitamin D. It'll get better. (laughs) Yeah. Yep. Okay. No, I appreciate that honesty for sure. You have um, a lot of different social medias. I know you have your Instagram there. You have Facebook, you have your podcast. I know you have TikTok, but you haven't done it recently, but I watched all your TikToks. I love them. So I was going to tell you, you need to get back on there because they're so good. But can you tell us all about your podcast and all your different social medias? Absolutely. So yes, uh, I'm going to be getting back into TikTok. I just actually moved my clinic to a new location. Okay. And frankly, when I stopped doing TikTok and I stopped doing a lot, I've pretty much only been posting stuff for my podcast. Full disclosure, I got burned out and Mm -hmm. I had zero motivation and zero creativity. I had to go talk to my therapist and my counselor and really restructure and figure out how I needed to take better control and better care of myself because I had put too many people ahead of me, Right, which happens. No, Mm -hmm. my TikTok is on my to-do list. I love it. It's so good. It's so good. (laughs) I love it. Now that I have a bigger, nicer rehab space, I'm going to be doing a bunch more. I just, I just needed to take a moment for myself and feel a little better, but my podcast, now that is something I release each week. It is the Mac performance podcast. It will whiplash you back in the health as we jump from topic to topic. It covers everything from topics on menopause to finances to concussions, burnout. This week, we just released an episode on it's okay to change your career when you're older, just different components. So for May, I'm actually doing a mental health month. For June, I'm doing a pride month. Sometimes I do themes. Other times it's just bumper cars of who knows what (laughs) topics coming up the next week. And there is something for everyone. I try to keep them really light, digestible, with an easy take-home thing to add to your repertoire each week. Awesome. I love that. I love that as a chiropractor, you're so focused on the whole body and the whole person, just the total puzzle, like you said. Yeah, I looked at your podcast. I saw episodes on relationships, boundaries, self-care, mental health. So I love that as a chiropractor, you focus on all of those things and that you realize the importance of them. That's really awesome. And for the most part, I just bring guests on. I find experts from around the globe to speak on their expertise. I don't try to pretend to know everything. Mm -hmm. You want to know how to fix your ankle? I'm your girl. (laughs) You want to know how to fix everything that's going on at home with your relationships? I will find you. You're human. (laughs) Awesome. Awesome. Well, Dr. Mack, this was amazing. Thank you so much for talking to me and my audience today. I'm sure this was really helpful for them. Oh, thank you for having me. This was a blast. Just remember, eat, sleep, and drink water. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much. 
Thank you so much, Dr. Mack. That was amazing. I feel like I could have spoken with Dr. Mack all day. She is so smart and so interesting and has a really great perspective. So I really could have talked to her all day. I loved speaking with her. I learned a lot which I always appreciate from my guests. And I hope that you did too. I loved how she talked about the different areas of wellness and how it's just, you know, one piece of a big puzzle that we're all a part of. And she gives tips on all these different areas of wellness. So I hope you learned a lot. I hope that you take her advice and her expertise to heart because I know I sure did. And I hope that this interview really influences you to lead a more healthy and positive lifestyle, and it will make all the difference in your life and your health and your emotional health long-term. So again, thank you so much, Dr. Mack. That was amazing. I loved talking with you and everybody follow Dr. Mack everywhere. I'm going to put everything in the show notes. She has her own podcast. She has a TikTok, Instagram, everything. So go to the show notes and you'll be able to follow Dr. Mac for more tips and tricks. Thanks so much for tuning in today. And I will see you guys next week with another amazing interview. 